Hello, you're listening to Which Moving Pictures Move Us, and I'm your host, Emma Bolzner. Today, we will be talking about a classic destination summer film, Roman Holiday, from 1953, starring Audrey Hepburn, Gregory Peck, and Eddie Albert. And with me virtually is my good friend, Hannah. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me back. And thank you for suggesting this classic film. So on a European tour, a princess, played by Audrey Hepburn, is exhausted from her grueling and taxing schedule and longs to be free from the confines of royal life. After arriving in Rome, Princess Anne manages to escape for a day and ends up meeting and falling in love with an American reporter, unbeknownst to her, named Joe Bradley, played by Gregory Peck. He takes her on a tour of Rome, and for the first time in her life, she can just be herself and not worry about duties and strict obligations. So, what do we think of William Wyler's Roman holiday, Hannah? I mean, it feels like it's such a, like, staple in the history of film. Like, not only is it Audrey Hepburn's first ever movie, which is huge, because she has such, like, a such an iconic career, um, and this role, I think, was absolutely perfect for her. I can see why, like, it be it was her first impression, and it made such a splash. Um, but I think it's just, like, really interesting in how it is, like, done in that it's, like, <laughs> why are words escaping me all of a sudden? That's just how good the movie is. Um, it's, like... Not only like with the with the princess angle because this was in the nineteen fifties, so the the British royal family has just taken a turn over, and uh, Queen Elizabeth would have just gotten married um, bef- before this movie came out a couple years before, um, and so it, there's this intense sort of speculation on like monarchies in general. So doing doing a country that I'm sure we'll touch on this later, but the fact that they like never outright say the name of they the country is just like an anonymous sort of European-ish country, I think is really funny. Um, but it's a way of sort of like indulging in those like what if fairy tales with the actual royal families of Europe, um, but obviously in a highly fictionalized Hollywood setting. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting because that would have just been like either the year or the year before Queen Elizabeth became queen. So there was this huge heightened idea around a woman being in power again. And although they don't really say where Princess Anne is from, it's kind of implemented that she probably will take over her father's duty one day. And when she says yes. her father can't quit his job to... Uh, to uh, Joe, <laughs> but oh my gosh, this is just such a classic romantic movie, and it's not schmaltzy, and it's not, you know, they don't milk it, it's really a realistic portrayal of what I considered the royal family to be, and I've always been very intrigued, I don't know if you watched The Crown, but even when I was a kid with like William and Kate's wedding, not as much as then, but I was always really interested in the monarchy and how um, it all works, and now I have different opinions about it and I don't feel like it's something we need anymore but there's something about it that's really intriguing it's that it's I I have watched the crown and they they have an episode where they talk about you know it's the smoke and mirrors yeah right it's that illusion and that elegance of the illusion and how well it's executed that keeps people intrigued and we see it in Roman holiday and we see it today with shows like the crown um I did a quick google because that's the power of the internet (laughs) so um Queen Elizabeth took the throne on February 6th, 1952. Oh, okay, before. And, 
and August uh, 20th, 1953 was when Roman Holiday came out. So just a year and a half after Elizabeth took the throne. Wow. Yeah. And they probably would have filmed it the year before, so they were filming it just when she got crowned. Probably, yeah. Yeah, wow. Wow, so it's exactly six, almost 68 years since this movie premiered. <laughs> Good timing. Yeah, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, like next Friday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, just, again, I didn't know that this was Audrey Hepburn's first movie. I had seen, like, parts of this movie before. I'd never seen the whole thing. I always would come in in the end. But I never saw that in the title it said, and introducing Audrey Hepburn. It's so odd to think that, this would be her first movie. I mean, we'll talk about it later, but she wins an Oscar for it. I mean, what a way to start her career. And, and What a way to start her career, yeah. What a, she's just so captivating on, on screen. And I, I'm not a huge fan of all her other movies. Like, uh, like, I like her as an actress, but I'm not a big fan of Breakfast and Tiffany's. I don't know how you feel about that. I find her sometimes irritating. But she was such a talent in this movie, and she was just so captivating on screen. This is... This might be a blasphemy to the film community, so I'm sorry in advance, but this is the only Audrey Hepburn movie I've seen all the way through. Not out of, like, I don't want to watch more of her movies. I do. But, like, when I was a kid, um, I think my parents turned over to Turner Classic Movies and My Fair Lady was on, and I, like, watched a little bit of it, but I wasn't, like, fully invested. Yes, same as Um, me. And and now it's on Netflix, so I have no excuse. But I've never seen Breakfast at Tiffany's. I, I know of it. I've never seen it. And I watched Roman Holiday, I want to say, like, maybe five or so years ago for the first time and then hadn't gone back to it since. So, like, it's interesting to think about how she exists in the sort of, like, cultural atmosphere as this icon but you I feel like you don't meet a lot of people who are like actually like big fans of her work they are just fans of her because she exists so prominently in the like cultural Mm -hmm. landscape of Hollywood history especially yeah like like Judy Garland too it's interesting though that Audrey Hepburn is one of the few that was an icon when she was still alive and I think that is really rare because we know about like Marilyn Monroe and and even Judy Garland and James Dean, and they were more icons once they died. So it's really cool that she's one of the few that was really recognized during her life. Yeah, and she didn't die all that recently. She died in '93, so it wasn't uh, it wasn't terribly terribly long ago that she passed. So it's it's interesting to to think about how she she made such an impact while she was alive, but. And, like, people are still fans of hers now, obviously. But yeah. it's interesting to think about how, like, her her star has faded a little bit in that regard, but it's also stayed just as bright, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I think she also did a lot of, this is a bit of a tangent, but a lot of work for UNICEF. And Angelina Jolie yes. has taken her that over now since, or a couple years after she passed, which is yeah, interesting. Yeah, I, 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 go- I googled her while I was watching the movie, because I was like, when did Audrey Hepburn die? Was there, like, a salacious story behind her death? No, she just had, like, a- appendix cancer, basically. Yeah. No drowning? No drowning. She just had appendix <laughs> cancer. Still a bad way to go, but, like, no no car yeah. crash or, like, a drug overdose or something. She just got sick. No. And only 63, too, but, man, she did look much older than that. So <laughs> oh, gosh, Don't drink. Yeah. <laughs> don't drink, kids. <laughs> but, 
um, just the way this this movie starts. I mean, it it's in black and white. I really like that it's in black and white. I have some fun facts, and apparently, William Wyler wanted it to be in color, but if they wanted to shoot it in Rome, that wasn't possible. But I I love the way it starts off with we. Sh- we don't know her country, but we show, they show her going to Amsterdam and London and all these places on her tour, and then she ends up in Italy, Rome. And I totally didn't get when I was a kid that she was given a sedative. Yeah, she was given that freaking sedative. She was, like, <laughs> fully just, like, they were just like, oh, she's just in hysterics. Just, like, yeah. stick a needle in her arm, she'll be fine. Which is so God. bonkers. And, like... I was thinking about it, and I was like, if she were a prince, and she was in this level of hysterics, they would not have given her a sedative. They're probably only giving her a sedative because, ah, she's a woman, she's having a moment, just yeah. put her to bed, we'll take care of it in the morning, unquote, she wants. She wants to wear pajamas, that's crazy. <laughs> oh yeah, that's crazy. She doesn't want to look like a little old lady, even though she's what, like 20? Yeah. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. But, I mean... She has this, I guess, rush over her. I don't know if it's because of the sedative, but she escapes through, a, like, a grocery milk truck. <laughs> Not great yeah. security at the palace. <laughs> no, I mean, well, to be fair, they're at, like, an embassy because the ball true, was hosted yeah. by, like, an ambassador or something. So they're at an embassy. But still, like, you'd think when, like, the princess, the heir to the throne is in residence, you would think that you'd have the sense... To, you know, heighten your security a little bit. Yeah. Make sure the windows are locked. <laughs> I know. It just make it so easy for her. So the palace... we I like that we don't segue too often to the embassy and to the royals. But basically, they say that... Because they can't find her. And she has duties for the next day and engagements. That they just say she's ill. Um, and I like that we don't really go back and forth. Because I don't really care about the royals at all. Yeah. Yeah, no, the, the royals here are very unlikable. And that you're they're meant to be unlikable, I think, because then you sympathize with Anne for having run away. Um, so apparently this was based off of very loosely off of Prince Mar Princess Margaret's affair with uh Peter Townsend, uh, which is really interesting because she couldn't marry him because he was a he was divorced. Yes, yeah. Not because he was like an employee of the palace. That would have yeah, been fine. Even though he's like 30 years older. <laughs> but he was divorced. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, not in the eyes of the church. Um, but yeah, let's talk about Gregory Peck. How did you like him as the leading man? And could you have seen like someone else in that role? I don't know. I, I, I kept getting him. I mean, I don't mean to offend anybody, but all of the sort of like Gregory Peck style leading men from this time all kind of look the same, which I realized <laughs> was the look. Uh, but they do. They all sort of like look and talk the same and this all sort of cast in these same roles. So it's hard to tell them apart. Um, but I do think Gregory Peck did a really nice job as um, as Joe. I think he really captured this sort of like somewhat playful initially in it for the story but then oh no I fell in love with her oh god um I think he captured that really really well especially like the way he was looking at her at the end of the movie when she was like when the circumstances had forced them to come clean about each other um and and the truths about each other even though he knew she was the princess all along 
but uh, she didn't know he was a journalist up until that point. So the way he was looking at her in that moment, you could tell that he still cared about her so much, even if it wasn't necessarily, like, love, like, I want to get down on one knee and marry you right now. You could still tell that he cared about her so much and that he was going to, like, really hold on to these moments that they had shared together in Rome. Yeah, I agree. I really liked him as... I thought he was a great leading man in this. Um, I thought they both had great chemistry together. I find that a lot of the leading men at that time, especially people like Cary Grant, I find them very sleazy um, and just not good-looking, like everyone always says. Yeah, there's but, there's not a sleaziness about Gregory Peck. There's there's not, he, there's a real warmth about yes, him. Yes, he's so sincere. Which I think works really well with... with I think it works really well with Audrey Hepburn's uh, younger self, but also her like more like cheeky and playful side. Like I, I really feel like the, uh, Audrey's reaction when um, when Gregory would have like stuck his hand in the 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 mouth of oh. truth or whatever it was and pretended to get his hand bitten off. Obviously, probably a scripted moment, but like the her reaction. I felt like it was so genuine and it felt like they actually did have that moment of like laughter and fun on set that the cameras just happened to like really catch Audrey shining through. It was really, really interesting to watch. So I have a, a fun fact about that <laughs> with the mouth of truth, which oh. is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Apparently it was totally improvised and they just told Audrey that he was going to like stick his hand in the mouth and then he's going to take it out right away. But they didn't tell her that he was going to, like, hide his hand in his sleeve of his suit. So that was a total <laughs> genuine reaction. Oh, it, it felt genuine. It really yeah. did. And I, I loved it because it was a moment of, like, letting that fourth wall down a little bit. A little peek behind the curtain, if you will. Yeah. It was really, really interesting. Because even though, like, at the beginning of the movie, he's kind of in it for the $5,000 of getting this great story and the princess, and he'll have, like, a one-on-one -on -one conversation with her because she's basically staying with him. Um, it, it's it, He doesn't, like we said, like, he's not sleazy, but you don't feel like he's a jerk for it because he brings so much empathy and sensitivity to the role and I feel like if someone else had been in that role they would have kind of been like a jerk yeah yeah me too I think that the the, the warmth that Gregory Peck brings to the role of Joe Bradley it could easily be done as something very sleazy but you can kind of clock the moment of realization he has um that like maybe this isn't the right thing to do it's while they're at the dance yeah on the docks um he, he sort of has that silent moment of realization. And it's really interesting to watch him sort of react to that internal moment as he's watching uh, Anne dance. It's, mm -hmm. I, I think if it was anybody else, it would have been... It, it, Joe could have easily come across as a jerk. And the yeah. fact that he didn't comes down to Gregory Peck's performance. Yeah. What do you think her plan would have been? Like, she luckily meets Joe while she's sleeping outside. What do you think her plan was going to be? <laughs> I don't think she had a plan. No. I think I think her plan extended to getting out in that milk truck, and that's about it. Yeah, when you don't have to worry about money, you don't think you need money with you. Yeah, yeah, and and you see that in the sort of like first scene in the market where she's sort of like going around. She gets her hair cut and she's spending the money, but then she realizes, oh, I don't have any left. Oh, 
wait. What is on. this feeling? Uh, so I, I sincerely don't think she no, had so a plan. No, so she's very lucky that don't she, she, uh, she met Joe on the street. And, and I like that he was going to, like, just go home and leave her there. And then he was like, well, maybe I should... Maybe I should take her home. And I like that she slept on the couch. Now, that scene yeah, seemed like... Was that really Audrey Hepburn that he flicked off the bed? <laughs> I'm not sure. I feel, I mean, she's tiny enough that he probably could have done it. There, yeah. were, there were a couple shots where, like, she was in her outfits, and I was like, my God, she's so small. Yeah. I think she was only 88 pounds or something, and she was, like, 5'7". Oh, Lord, that's too small. I know. <laughs> really too small. So, yeah, she really should have eaten, like, a burger or something. <laughs> Poor girl. <laughs> well, I mean, you have to think about studio culture at that time, yeah. too. She was probably pressured into looking, quote-unquote, ideal and therefore being as small as she could be, not only for this, like, princess role, but also the, um, just the, like, style of how women looked at that time yeah anyway especially in the like studio culture she was probably pressured by executives to keep her weight down so i don't know if there's anything documented about her possibly having an eating disorder or what the likelihood of that could be but i think it's a very real possibility yeah and and i think she was a ballet dancer so that would explain a lot of the the issues with with looking at your weight in a certain way because there's a lot of pressure still but especially back then yes she's definitely got the build for it naturally but back in the 50s you know even today ballet culture is very sort of like body focused and very much if you don't have this particular build then you can't dance and you have to eat a certain way um but as I'm, i can only imagine that back in the 50s it was much much worse yeah yeah, but wow, she really, yeah, I like that he, I like that she goes on the couch. I think that's funny that she doesn't get her way by sleeping on the bed because <laughs> it is his house. <laughs> but I guess that must have been, I mean, I talked about it happened one night um, for the Oscar season and how there was this, there was like a pretty long scene of, and it was filmed before the production code in the 30s of, of, you know, a man and a woman in the same room together and they weren't married and they were going to bed, but they had different like they were sleeping on different beds and I and I thought wow this is like 20 years after that and it's way more cautious and way more like Clark Gable was shirtless in it and I thought how is isn't that interesting that 20 years later during the the 50s was like the golden age of Hollywood they were very very conservative and showing that scene but I like that they kind of got away with doing certain things that made it seem uh more realistic yeah yeah like having the like couch and him telling her you're going to sleep on the couch not the chair not the bed on the couch yeah and he like tried to make it up for her it was a sneaky way of inserting a story reason as to why the production code needed to be upheld yes yeah and she finally got to wear pjs except they were men's pjs <laughs> they looked comfy as hell yeah. i don't know what her problem was they looked great <laughs> i really liked his apartment i mean it doesn't have a kitchen which is very impractical but the rooftop like, the deck was really nice. Oh, yeah, the deck is gorgeous. And, I mean, all the different, like, patios around. When Gregory Peck was like, I could give you a running commentary on all the apartments around here, I was like, please do. <laughs> I want to know about everybody. Be the tour guide. <laughs> yes, please. I really, I really liked his apartment. I think it was really well actualized. And I think it wasn't, like, I don't think it was, like, in Down With Love where, like, 
Renee Zellweger's <laughs> had this ridiculously large apartment for having just moved to the city. Like Joe Bradley was living a Joe Bradley was living quite modestly in Rome and it was really realistic for a reporter who may not be there long. It made sense that he it would seem like he was like renting it out even. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And like I said, even though it's in black and white, when I think about it, I don't really think of it in black and white. Like, it seems like there's, it's so colorful, and the cinematography just is so great that I don't even really think about not being able to see any of the colors. But even just thinking about the rooftop deck, like, I can imagine flowers and all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, think, I think if the black and white really lends a charm to it, it has a certain level of nostalgia to it. And I think if it was in color, I'm sure it would be gorgeous especially the costumes for yeah. Anne, but I don't think it would have the same timelessness and the same appeal that it does now because I think the black and white really lends itself to this sort of like quote-unquote classic story of a young woman trying to find herself and the people she meets along the way. I agree. So, um, so Joe basically, at first, when he invites her to stay with him, he doesn't know that she's princess Anne and I love how comedic Gregory Peck is in this when he walks into his his uh, office with his boss and he's late because he stayed up late with with Anne and he he was like oh I was at that press conference for the princess this morning and that's why I haven't been in here all morning and the boss is like oh really and then he like the boss totally plays him and Gregory Peck is making up lies about whatever the princess said or answered. And then the boss says, did you know that she was taken ill today? And then I just thought that was a great comedic scene. And then when he looks at the paper and sees the picture of Anne saying she was taken ill and he was like, oh my gosh, this is the person that stayed in my apartment last night. (laughs) Yeah, this is the girl I rescued last night. Yeah, and that's a great reaction from Gregory Peck. Again, it's really interesting to watch his face in that moment of being like, Oh, uh-oh, uh-oh, <laughs> no. It's it's a really interesting reaction to watch happen. Um, and he's, he's surprisingly funny. I wouldn't have pegged him for a more, like, comedy-style actor at the start of the movie, but by the end, it's like, yeah, no, he's, like, got a very subtle comedic yeah. air about him that where it's like, he says a joke and you sort of like brushed off and then you're like, wait a second, wait, go back, go back. That, that was, was funny. You can't just brush over it like that. Yeah, I think a lot of people, including me, because this was probably the first movie I saw him in was To Kill a Mockingbird. So I think a lot of people associate him with Atticus Finch, who's very serious and and fair. And, and Oh, he was in To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. See, I've seen, I've seen that movie, but it was only in like grade 10 when we read the book in my English class. I was in grade 10 too when I had to read and watch the movie. So I think a lot of people associate him in that role because that's, I think, one of his most famous roles because he won an Oscar. I don't know. I, I, think, I think To Kill a Mockingbird might be his most famous one. And this will probably be a close second. But To Kill a Mockingbird is like so iconic, again, in the cultural zeitgeist that like, yeah, he stands out more, I think, in To Kill a Mockingbird because he's one of the few adult cast members. But, uh, but yes. where where this is a fully adult story, you know, the, the the spotlight is really on Audrey Hepburn here, and he's he's here and he does a great job. But it's Audrey Hepburn's movie. Yes. Oh, and she just steals the show. Yeah, he's definitely known for To Kill a Mockingbird, and I think that's why people see him as so serious because 
they only know him in that role, which is not a comedic role. So it's it's yeah. it's nice that he. I, I don't know how many comedies he did, but you know, I don't know really how stars kind of went away after even like male stars started doing like silly TV, hokey TV shows in the seventies. So I don't really know what he did as comedic roles after this, but but um, I hope he had done a couple more rom coms because he was great in them in this one. Yeah, I I've, I I should investigate some more of his his. His credentials, I guess. Yeah. So what did you think of um, his buddy, um, Irving, who is the photojournalist played by Eddie Albert? Oh, Irving. I have complicated feelings about <laughs> Irving. On, on the one hand, I think, you know, he's a great addition. He rounds out the threesome. He, like, goes along. He goes along with stuff pretty easily um, after Joe convinces him. Um, and I really like his scene at the end where he, um, he, uh, he, he gives, uh, Anne these commemorative photographs of her time in Rome, uh, a wink, uh, and it's like her at the party. I think that's a really sweet moment and it's sort of a redemption for him, but I don't know. I just feel like, I, I feel like he's the one who's meant to come across as a sleaze and he does a little bit. Um, cause unlike, yeah. unlike, uh, Joe, who is initially in it for the money and for the story and then falls in love with Anne, Irving is just, just here for the story. And he is just here to make money off of Joe's story and to possibly sell the pictures for his own use too. So I have complicated feelings about Joe, yeah. uh, not about Joe, about Irving in that regard, because like, ah, oh, your intentions aren't great, but you have a good moment. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he's pretty noble to have, like, done all that work and then give it up his photographs, which I would be like, come on, man, you asked me to come on this adventure with you, and I could be making so much money, and then I, so I, I think it's, it's pretty cool that he let her keep the photographs, but his motive was definitely just the whole time to make money, um, which I think is really realistic, because that's what anyone would have done, and they probably wouldn't have given the photographs up. Um, they would have just been like, she was never ill at all. I like when they do the headlines at the end and they're like, princess inspects police, police inspects princess. Like, I really, li- I really like that. It's really funny. Yeah. Yeah. As somebody who worked for a newspaper for, um, for a couple of years, the headline is the hardest part. Yes. It's like trying to title a paper, right? It's the hardest part. Uh, and so the fact that they were able to like come up with some punchy headlines right off the bat, I was like, yeah, I would read all these articles. Yeah. Which I realize is not the point, but I would. Yeah, there, so it, it's, it seemed really natural. Um, and he was pretty comedic, too, in times. The spilling of the water sometimes got a bit like, okay, that's enough now, spilling drinks on Irving. <laughs> but other than that, yeah. like, I'm glad there wasn't too many characters in this movie. There was just the three staple ones. Yeah, I mean, there were, there were of course, like, side characters, too. Um, but the side characters really were side characters. Like our supporting cast was Gregory Peck and Irving. Um, uh, but, and of course the star of the show was Audrey Hepburn. Well-deserved. Yeah. Um, I really liked the scene also when she's dancing with the barber. And isn't it interesting the barber cuts her hair and her hair is not wet, but anyway, (laughs) um, I like, (laughs) um, I love this scene when, She's dancing with the barber, and then they, like, Irving quickly gets the camera out, and then he takes the picture, 
and then they like are looking away and making it seem like really obvious but at the same time not that obvious and she's like thinking like oh where'd that flash come from and then like I just love the comedic timing of Gregory Peck's facial expression and 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 his chemistry with Eddie Albert as well but I also really liked Eddie Albert's um really cool lighter like camera where he like pretends to light a cigarette but he's taking pictures of her like that's really cool that's like not only very cool it's very like technologically advanced yeah um i wouldn't have thought about that because i was thinking while watching it i because i i'd never seen like a lot of the middle of the movie and i thought wow how is he going to be taking like i was first of all i was thinking oh gosh gregory peck you got to get someone to like get some photos of her doing these things and then obviously he gets eddie albert but i thought well what are they going to just like take a camera out like how is that going to work so i think that was really interesting how they did that I'm curious if photojournalists in those days really had something like that, or if it was just made up. Maybe I'll learn it in school. I, but. <laughs> I think it was made up. I fully do. I, I, I give the 1950s a lot of slack sometimes, but that is one thing I will not let slide. First of all, your picture quality is going to be terrible on that thing. And second, like, it's so small. Like, even a camera that small, yeah. like, today probably wouldn't have great photo quality. And how are you going to develop also, it? Yeah, how would you develop it? How would you stick a roll of film in this lighter to take the picture? Like, I, it doesn't make sense. No. But it's the rom-com. It's not really supposed Great to be. Great idea, sense. though. <laughs> I guess, yeah, I bet people... fabulous idea. <laughs> I bet people tried to do it after. <laughs> oh, they probably did. Oh, they're probably still trying now, honestly. Yeah. Um... So what, did you have, like, a, a favorite scene in this movie besides, like, well, the ending? I really love the ending. It's one of those perfect endings, but but a favorite scene of her and, and Joe? Ugh, I mean, for me, I feel like... Ugh, I feel like it's it's towards the end, not quite the end, but it's towards the end when it's, like, after she's said, you know, I need to go home. Like, she's heard on the radio that her people are worried about her, and she mm-hmm. has that moment of realization, which is so beautifully done from Audrey Hepburn. Um, and when they're sitting in the car and they have that moment together, it's it, it sticks out as one of those, like, classic movie moments. But also it's, like, you can tell that there's so, there's so much tension between them, but also they understand why... She has to go back, like, in, in their heart of hearts. They understand why she can't continue to just, like, live outside of her duty. She understands that now, and she's sort of had that realization. But you can tell there's, like, that moment of, like, hesitation where she says, like, I could just not get out of the car. I, I could just not. And yeah. they have that moment of question, but she eventually does get out of the car and they share a goodbye kiss, and it's really lovely. That's the, I think I think that's the one that sticks out to me the most because it's sort of a culmination of the entire thing before at least Joe has to come clean about who he really was. Mm. And I can't help but wonder. Yeah. I can't help but wonder how different the movie would be if Joe had decided to go through with it. With, with some sort of story about it. I can't help but wonder how different that would have been. And I appreciated that, too. The, the ending of the relationship didn't come because of an external conflict between the two. It was an internal conflict in Anne herself. 
And she, yeah, she decided that she was going to, she had to put, th- put a stop to this. She had her fun, but people were counting on her. And it's a really noble and difficult thing to realize. Yeah. She realizes that she went, when she listens to the radio, that she has to put her duty and her people in front of her own happiness. And she really pauses and it's a really powerful scene. Um, but you're right. I really like that there isn't like the problem isn't at before the people of her country, but the problem isn't like, oh my gosh, you're a reporter. Like, how dare you? And then like, you know, I'm glad that there wasn't any, any conflict in that movies nowadays do that a lot. Um, and it just gets really yeah, tired. It could have, it could have easily, it could have easily been done that way, uh, which would have been perfectly in line with movies that were being done at the time. And it would have been wonderfully derivative, but the fact that it doesn't, I think, is one of the reasons why this movie's held on mm-hmm. so long and why people keep returning to it because it's not typical of the very formulaic movies that were coming out of Hollywood yeah. at the time. It's something different. It's something intriguing. And I think that that section of the movie is one of the reasons why Audrey got the Oscar, mm-hmm. the BAFTA, the Golden Globe. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's, it's really powerful coming from her. And this being her first movie, too. It's really interesting to watch her go through that sort of roller coaster internally and come to that conclusion when she does care about Joe so much. Mm, yeah, I like that they don't stick to that that was definitely used in the 50s and 60s the trope of like well it's still used today of like boy gets girl, boy uses girl, uh loses girl, boy gets girl and it's like well Joe never had um Joe never had Anne. And I like that they didn't do it that way and, and create a conflict between them because she knows what her duty is. She knows where her place is in society. Would she like to have run away with him? Yeah, totally. But she chooses, and it's and it becomes more realistic. I mean, would I have liked them to have run away together? Of course. They would have been such a cute couple, but but um, it, it would have not held up very well because that's not what a royal is able to do. Um yeah, and I, I thought, too, about, like, well, what if she persuaded Joe to come with her and, like, be with her, like, officially? But there's so many other complex layers in that of, like, would Joe even want to be part of a higher society life? Probably not. He's very dedicated to his career, as we see in this mm-hmm. movie. And that's just one of many layers involved with this Um not just a sort of like, oh, your career is really important to you and I don't want you to give it up. It's like an inherent class difference between yeah. the two. So She probably wouldn't have I been think able to marry a reporter anyway. Probably not. She probably wouldn't, considering she's the heir to the throne, probably yeah. not. So it's, it's, it's really, really interesting to think about, you know, how this movie could have ended differently, whether if they ran away together or she told Joe to stay or if she... When Joe was walking away, she came out from behind the doors and was like, wait, no, please stay. Um, please come with me to Athens. <laughs> or, or we'll, we'll keep our relationship a secret or something. But I like that it's very much a, we had this moment together and it was great, but now we have to go our separate ways. And maybe we'll run into each other again one day. And if we do, great. But this is where we belong individually and we've we're at peace yeah with that. and if we run run into each other it'll be like how the ending is where it's very formal with a bunch of other reporters uh they'll never be on one-on-one alone yeah. again which is kind of sad but it's it's really realistic i was wondering though when but, she 
she at the time when she thinks that Joe doesn't know that she's the princess um, when all those bodyguards are chasing them and and they fall into the water. And I thought, like, doesn't he, she think he'll wonder why people are chasing them? <laughs> yeah, like, is that not a dead giveaway? <laughs> but also he, like, jumped into Defender, so maybe he already knows and he was just trying to, like, protect her. Or maybe he doesn't know and he was just being yeah. noble. Like, there's, there's, there's a lot of, that was one of the sillier parts of the movie, considering it was, like, eight yeah. guys that just, like, rolled up all in identical <laughs> outfits to, like, try and take this one little lady yeah, away. Yeah, and she hits them over with the head with, like, an instrument. It was, that was a bit, like, oh my gosh, they yeah. would have to have those silly parts in rom-coms. <laughs> and, and I really, really liked how, like, the band, after they watched, after they watched her get taken away, um... Uh, by by Joe, the band sort of like looks, and the conductor is like, "Okay, yeah. that happened, and yeah. we're back. Start playing again. Here we go." <laughs> I know. I thought that was so like nothing ever. And happened. they just leave like Eddie Albert somewhere. <laughs> they don't even care about him. Yeah. <laughs> He'll make his way back eventually. He'll find us eventually. I was surprised though how many times like in a movie like this they do kiss though. I thought it'd only be like a one time like quick little peck. Ha ha ha, Gregor Peck. sorry that was really bad that was that wasn't great but you know what you went for it anyway and i applaud you for it (laughs) but yeah i I was surprised that they kissed like two or three times in this movie yeah and i i mean i think each one is each one is different in the context of the movie um but when you compare their their first kiss that is like very much a sort of like not accident but it's Certainly not intentional at first. Um, when you compare that kiss to their final one in the car before she gets out of the car and they end this moment of confidentiality, I guess, between them, um, it's it's really interesting to compare the two because they're both in such different places emotionally between the first kiss and the last kiss. Yeah, because the first time they were wet, they were having fun, and then the last time's kind of like goodbye. And uh, I think she knows, like, she doesn't know he's a reporter, but I think she knows that, obviously, because he's dropping her off at, like, the embassy, but I think she knows that he knows that she's the princess. Um, And I like that it's never being like, oh my god, are you the princess? Like, any of that stuff going on. It's just, yes. It's never blatantly said, which I And that's really well done. And... Yeah, and and while we're talking about the kisses for a second, okay, I have a complaint to register, and it is about how people it is about how people in these old movies kiss, because it is just like whole mouth on whole mouth. There is like no, there is no in between. It is just the most like over exaggerated thing, and I understand that like you want it to come across on camera. But you're not in a theater. You don't need yeah. to play to the nosebleeds. Here. Are they breathing? It's, it's 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 so over exaggerated. And I noticed it especially in that last kiss with Gregory Peck and Audrey Hepburn that they both just like went in for it and that you like cannot no. tell where either of their mouths are. It's, and I'm like, you need to either get a room or like <laughs> calm down. Well, I don't know if you see the like the movie poster of this, but like what's with the, all the old movie posters where the guy is kissing the the woman and always the woman's like neck is like so far back. It's like ow. Yeah. <laughs> the ow, that would hurt. 
we 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 talked a, we we talked a little bit about this in a class I took in my third year, um, about yeah. film. And uh, there was we were talking about adaptations of Jane Eyre, and there's this one adaptation from the seventies, and Christina could attest, where Rochester is like having a moment with, with Jane, and it's the moment where he's like, "Please, Jane, stay," and she's like, "No, I won't." Um, and Rochester grabs Jane by like the armpit, Ew. which you, which I imagine he has a hard time finding because her sleeves on her dress are so ridiculously like puffed and long. They're like lamb chops on her arms, and so he like manages to find her armpits through the dress and just like pushes her into him through her armpits and I'm like how is this comfortable for anybody oh. involved I think I've seen it before like, again when you're that movie <laughs> yeah when your neck is so far back like that's that's not a comfortable no. experience at any given moment especially when you're trying to kiss but somebody but they make it seem, seem like on those old movie posters and like well, this was, you're talking about a movie from the freaking 70s, which wasn't even that long ago, but, like, they always seem so overdramatic, and I guess it's always the idea of the man having to be in control, but it looks so uncomfortable, even for the man, like, why do you want to squeeze, like, why do you want to kiss someone that way? It must be so stiff and awkward. Yeah, or either she's, or she's just, like, limp, and she's, like, asleep or unconscious <laughs> or something. Like, <laughs> ooh. Uh, no, I don't want to think about that. Nope, nope, we're going to steer away from that now. Uh, Good thing you didn't kiss her when she was unconscious. Oh, a God, could you imagine? No, Joe, 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 has, Joe has enough respect women juice in his body that I don't think he'd do that. Yeah, he has integrity. <laughs> but, man, I, I feel bad that he had to wear, like, a suit during the freaking hot time in Italy. Because, oh. like, even Eddie Albert wasn't, like, wearing a thick suit like that. He didn't even like get that. any like, gelato. Oh, he didn't even no. get any gelato to cool down. Did you see that she, like, ate the ice cream but then didn't eat the cone? That really bothered me. <laughs> I guess that's how she stays so thin. Like, the br- cone is right there. You can't just throw it out. Yeah. I didn't like that. I was like, you just, that was, that cost money. But but it, it, it granted, she might not have done it because it would have been very messy for her outfit. Very true. She has to care about her beautiful outfit. <laughs> as some, as somebody who has many, who has had many bad experiences with leaky ice cream cones, those guys can be messy. <laughs> yeah, that's why you did out of a cup. <laughs> that's why you get a cup. <laughs> yeah, not in those days, I guess. Cups weren't invented yet. Yeah, or at least they weren't like common practice in like Italy as opposed to like America. Yeah. I also totally forgot that this was a one-day movie, and I really like, I don't know how many one-day movies you've seen, but I do like some one-day movies, and I like that they don't continue it for a week or sometimes, and if it's done well, a 24-hour movie can be really good. Yeah, it's even like a, yeah, no, it is a one-day movie. I was like, mm, there's like a couple night sequences. I'd argue it's like a 48-hour movie because you, it's like over a couple yeah, of that's days. Yeah, because she's only in Rome for a couple days, because there's, like, the day with the ball when she's first there, and then there's, like, the, oh, the right. full day then, she has out with yeah, Gregory yeah. Pack, and then there's, like, the day, the next day. It's, like, a 70, 70, the whole math. It's, like, a 70-plus yeah. hour, but, like, it's, it's over. I guess a, I, I like the It's the very much over a few days. It's not, like, really drawn out or anything, which makes it feel very immediate, and that you, it makes you feel like you've seen all the important things that you needed to see. 
Yeah, I guess the adventure is one day, which I like, that they are not, like, together for more than one day. I think that's done really yeah. well because it's, I mean, obviously, how can you fall in love with someone one day? But it's definitely very, like, it, it, I don't know, it just works because they were never, like... It's very fairy tale. Yes, they were never, like, doing that trope where they're, like, hate each other and they're arguing and then they fall in love. Like, I like that that's not a thing. Yeah, they, they genuinely, like, built up a relationship and a friendship which I think is really, really sweet. It's really sweet watching watching yeah. Gregory like and and Audrey's characters talk to each other, especially in that first scene of the cafe where they're like getting to know each other a little bit. Even though they're both lying to each other, it's still really yeah. it feels very natural and feels very much like, Oh, we're on a first date, we're getting to know each other. Probably the only first date she'll ever have, so it's a great way that, that they went back and forth and you know they're both lying, they kind of have this smirk and and it just it's just so well done. It's very organic, the two of them. Yes. Well, I have some fun facts. Oh yeah, lay it on me. <laughs> um apparently Gregory Peck and Audrey Hepburn were lifelong friends after watching this movie uh, after being in this movie together, not after watching it. <laughs> <laughs> well, they watched it together too, but like yeah. they they did a little more than just watch the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um and Audrey Hepburn did a lot of Broadway um, before Roman Holiday, and just before she was in this movie, she was Gigi and Gigi in the Broadway um, production in 1951. Yeah, yeah, that had a revival a few years ago with Vanessa Hudgens in it. I remember. I think it oh. it was playing because yes, I went to New York when not to brag. Uh, I went to New York in twenty <laughs> lucky uh, in 2015. So years ago now, six years ago now. Um, six years ago. Uh Uh-oh. Um, (laughs) and Gigi was playing at that time. Uh, I do remember that. Oh, did you see it? No, the, I was on a school trip. Uh, so we had our, we had our itineraries planned out in advance. We saw, we saw Phantom and we saw the revival of On the Town. Okay. So are there always like a regular like Broadway play always on or is do they always change it up well I mean they've usually in non-COVID times there's like a bunch of different shows playing all the time there's like a gazillion there's like 40 plus theaters like main Broadway theaters um it's not always like a musical in this theater uh only but some specific shows are like that um uh, like, for example, uh, Phantom of the Opera has been at the Majestic Theater since it started playing in New York because the 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 chandelier has been rigged in such a way that it is, like, it, it was rigged in such a way that it was made for the show. They have to have be, do it there. <laughs> yeah, they have, so kind cool. of have to do it there. But shows will change in and out of theaters all the time. Like, right now... Uh, moving into the Winter Garden Theater, which is pretty close to Times Square, is The Music Man with Hugh Jackman and Sutton Foster. But before that, uh, Beetlejuice, the musical, was in there. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I really want to go to New York one day. So uh, great city. Highly recommend. <laughs> um, so apparently they were going to have Elizabeth Taylor or Jean Simmons as Princess Anne, but then once Hepburn did her screen test, um, Weiler 
knew he had to have her. I, I, I don't know who Gene Simmons is. I can't see Elizabeth Taylor in that role. She's just not innocent. <laughs> she, yeah, it's you need somebody who's, like, very, like, bright-eyed and innocent, right? You need the sort of, like, doe-eyedness. And I think Audrey Hepburn really captures that beautifully, not just because it's her first movie, and so she brings this really immense level of enthusiasm to it. Um, but she just, she, she nails Anne's sensibility so well. Yeah, she's, I can't see anyone else in the role. And speaking of Cary Grant, because we talked about it before, he was actually offered the role as Joe, but he turned it down for two reasons, because he knew he wouldn't be the main attraction of the movie, and he wasn't the main character. Wow. And also because he thought he was too old. He would have been 50 years old during filming, and Audrey would have been 23. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, yeah, I, like I mentioned Cary Grant, I find it very sleazy. I don't really get his appeal. Um, in like the two movies, the few movies I've seen him in, I'm like, okay, probably going to change the channel. <laughs> like, like <laughs> don't really, uh, no, thank you. not really into him or his voice. Um, so, so I, so glad he wasn't in this. Also would have been too old. <laughs> yeah. So good thing they give it to Gregory Peck. So thank you, Cary Grant, for being being an arrogant ass. So you could have given it to yeah, Gregory Peck. Yeah, thanks, Gary. <laughs> the one time I will say that. <laughs> um, Gregory Peck actually gave Audrey Hepburn and like persuaded the producers and and the director to give her equal billing on the movie, which means that her name got to be be before the title, like his, because um, they were only going to put yeah. it like after the title in very very small letters and he was like no 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 she's the star of the movie she needs to be right after me um before the title it gives her a big break too right because people will know her name yeah and that this was something no one in hollywood even women would do to other women so this was like a first time thing that had ever been done wonder if it's ever been done since (laughs) she won an oscar but um it also won up two other oscars um it won Best Writing and Best Costume by Edith Head. I really liked her costumes in this, so I'm so glad that won. The costumes in here were really good, especially Anne's, like, princess outfits. Like, at the ball at the beginning and in the final scene, like, her outfits were always so gorgeous. And that's the only time I miss seeing the movie in color. I'm like, God, I wish I could, like, see what these look like in color. Yes, I would have loved to have seen just what the rooms look like in color, too. Mm. Um, Yeah, but Eddie Albert got nominated for Supporting Actor at the Oscars, but he did not win. I'd also got nominated for Best Picture, Best Director for William Wyler, Best Cinematography. I feel like that could have won. I mean, I really liked how it was filmed. Uh, Best Film Editing and Best Art Direction, but it only won for actress writing and costume well hey the actress one is nothing to sniff at that's one of the major ones yes yeah so i'm really happy uh i'm really happy she won i was just gonna quickly do a little google if you don't mind of like who she was up against oh no not at all Um, in 1954 she won um the nominees were leslie caron for lily ava gardner for ma gambo Deborah Kerr for From Here to Eternity, and Maggie McNamara for The Moon is Blue. I've never seen any of those movies. <laughs> well, boy, I mean, Ava Gardner is still a name that I recognize. She's She's been in a couple of movies with Gregory Peck. 
Um, yeah. So Deborah Kerr, I think, was in the A King and I. Oh yeah. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Well. I guess not stiff competition if none of us have ever heard of those movies. Though maybe some people out there listening have. Sorry if we just offended yes. you. But I've never heard of any of those movies. Maybe they're excellent. Ma Gambu maybe is a great movie. So the film was entirely shot in Rome, which was also another thing that was unheard of at the time. But Wyler refused to film it on a soundstage. And that's why it couldn't have been in color. Because um, they used up all their budget for filming in Rome. And the budget, oh my gosh, was only 1.5 million. Well, now hold on. That might have been 1.5 million in, in 1953 dollars. That's true. That's a lot of money. And the movie made the movie made 12 million at the box office. It would its budget would have been about 14 million dollars today and it's it, its earnings today would be around $116 million today. Wow. Wow. That's a good bunch of cash. That's a really good chunk of cash, especially since you have to consider that, like, budgets today have to allocate, like, whatever a film's budget is today, you also have to tack on an extra $100 million for advertising. And there wasn't, yeah. advertising costs weren't as high in 1953 because there wasn't social media there was just like you know posters newspaper ads and maybe a trailer or two um if you were lucky um yeah so you have to consider that like they would have made back so much more of their money with in 1953 than they would have if they made this movie today though i was thinking as i was watching the movie i would be intrigued to see like a 2021 remake of Roman Holiday. I think it'd be different. It sh for sure would be. Yeah. And I think they'd struggle to find a pairing as good as Gregory Peck and Audrey Hepburn. But I think it'd be really interesting to see with like today's cinematography tactics oh, and today's costume idea. budgets. I think that would be one that would be really interesting. So I don't know. Maybe in like thirty years time, when the movie is like in the public domain, maybe there'll be a remake. Yeah. I wonder. Do do you? Can you see someone as um, Princess Anne? I feel like if I feel like what I would want to happen is I would want them to cast a newcomer like Audrey was. I feel like I'd want yeah. them to cast somebody fresh because then it keeps that sort of integrity, right? And it's like a, it's like a little tradition at that point. That's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. Because I was thinking of someone that couldn't be innocent like Lily James, but someone that's new would be great. Yeah, and especially you have to consider that like. Actors that we think would be great today in 2021 would not be great probably for the role in like 30 years from now when the movie is yeah. in the public domain. Yeah. There will probably 16. be a bunch of new actors who could take up that mantle, but I'd still want them to cast yeah. somebody new in like their first movie so that it's it, it, it's like a little little nod to the casting process of the original. Yeah, that's that's a great idea. I wonder if, I mean... Um, right now, I don't think they should touch it, but for the future, I think that would be a great idea for new generations as well. Yeah. Um, would you want them to set it in the 50s still or like in modern day? Hmm. I think it'd be more fun to do as a period piece still. Yeah, me too. Because I think then you can still keep the allure of like what Audrey's costumes were like and like the classic Vespas. Because you have to think about the extra complications with social media and stuff that would be added into this story. Oh, yeah. Like, Look, it's Princess Anne. Let's it's, get a it, selfie. Like, Twitter would be a 
buzz if they saw Princess Anne yeah. out and about. <laughs> like, it just wouldn't be good. No. Um, yeah, it's true. It, it wouldn't have worked. And even if, like, it's modern day in 30 years, there might not be yeah. a modern <laughs> Yeah. So part of, part, of, part of the allure and part of the charm, I think, of the movie is that it is in the 50s. Obviously, it was filmed in the 50s, so then it was present day. But I think if you wanted to keep some of the charm of the movie, you'd have to keep it in the 50s. Uh, not only to nod to the original film and to honor it that way, but to make sure there's no complications like social media. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, we didn't really... I, I have an, another couple facts, but I wanted to just quickly talk about how great... I love the ending of when, um, you know, obviously she realizes that he's the reporter and and they kind of have he has the smirk and it like you said it's real love and and um I like when she sees Eddie Albert's lighter and she realizes that that's how he took photos of her I really like that yeah but I also really like how when she says like lovely to meet you and is very stiff and pretends like she doesn't know them because that's her duty and she walks on the stage. I like that they don't have her look back or anything like that. And I like that he's the last one to leave the the room. And they just end it with him. Which I really like because obviously Audrey's the star. But I like that we end it with him just walking in that empty room. And you can hear his, his shoes on the tiles. And I just find that ending like one of the perfect endings like, there's not many movies where i could say i love the endings just perfect but this one is because you could you you would expect him to like you, you, you'd expect the last shot to be like him looking back or he and Anne sharing one last private kiss before they yes. go their separate ways but the fact that it's very clean cut in that regard i think is really interesting especially for again the time that this was done in I think that it easily could have been one of those options or something else. But the fact that it's very much a, like, we're going our separate ways. I don't know how to tell you any differently, but this is how it is going to be. Yeah. It keeps the audience in suspense and keeps them watching right up until the the end comes on the screen. Yeah. And just like she says in the car, don't look back. I'm not going to look back. And that's exactly what they do for the second time when they're in the, in the interview room together. Mm -hmm. um, but apparently... In the embassy ball sequence, which you mentioned, um, they were really Italian nobility. They weren't. They were playing themselves, and a lot of the reporters in the end were actually reporters and journalists. Oh wow, cool! <laughs> so I I think that's really cool that they did that. Yeah, it has a layer of authenticity, and I mean, little yeah. do they know, Audrey Hepburn basically would become royalty. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really cool because they wouldn't have even known she was famous because she wasn't famous yet. No, but they could they could look back and be like, I was in Audrey Hepburn's first movie. Yeah. Well, apparently in an after party for the movie, um, Gregory Peck invited Audrey Hepburn to his party for the end of the movie. And um, there she met her first husband. Um, I don't know his name, but apparently they met through his mutual friends. And Gregory oh. Peck, during the filming of this movie, had just separated and divorced from his wife, and he was really depressed about it from his first wife. But then, during the filming in Rome, um, a journalist interviewed him about the movie, and they fell in love. And then he remained married to her until he died in 2003. Yeah, yeah, I saw that he'd had two marriages when I quickly Googled him earlier to see some of the other stuff he's done. It's a lot of Westerns, folks. <laughs> it's a lot of Westerns. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, I, I, I noticed that his first marriage had ended in like the mid-1950s, and so I, I wondered if, if the divorce wasn't official until 1955, but they had like, separated in 1953 or something. Yeah, well, I'm just looking him up now. His real name was Eldred Gregory Pack, which... Oh, Gre- Gregory's yeah. a good substitute. He was thing, born in 1916, sometimes... which is like so weird to think. <laughs> Died in 2003. Yeah. No, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you think like, oh well, you know, maybe, maybe some of these name changes weren't wholly necessary. But then you get sometimes some weird yeah. names, and you're like, yeah, maybe a name change was necessary. Yeah, like Judy Garland's real name was something like Francis Gum or something. So like. Maybe that's a good change. Yeah. And the person that Audrey Hepburn met at the after party was Mel Ferrer, um, and they married from they were married from nineteen fifty four, so right after this movie to nineteen sixty eight, and then she married someone named yeah. Andrea Doty, and she died in nineteen ninety three at sixty three. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's dead in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Gregory Peck was like 87, so like he got old. That's good. Yeah, at least he. Oh, and Eddie Albert was 99. Whoa, so close. Oh my god, he was so close to 100. What the heck, dude? <laughs> wow. for one more year? Come on. Yeah. Wow, he was 10 years older than Gregory Peck during this movie. He was like almost 50. Wow. He didn't look that old. Did not look that old at all. I think it was the mustache. I think the mustache helped him out. Yeah, yeah and that beard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow, 1906 to 2005. That's crazy. Oh, so well, close. Should we, <laughs> so close. Should we move on to the final judgment? I think we should. <laughs> okay, did Roman Holiday move you or not? I think it did. You know, I think it's a really sweet movie. I think it's one of those, like, timeless classics where, like, you'll talk about it in, like, a history of film class because it was, did shoot in Rome, and that was huge. Um, and it's it's so interesting to think about the dynamic between Audrey Hepburn, this being her first movie, and a more seasoned actor like Gregory Peck, but also it's just, like, a really interesting story between somebody who has to be committed to her duty but doesn't want to be and somebody who seems like they aren't fully interested in their job but still has to be and seeing them sort of cut loose for a day even though circumstances eventually drag them back in it's just it's just a nice little story yeah I like it because it's unique and it still really holds up even though it is a period piece because it was made during the time it was filmed but yeah it totally it totally moved me her performance moved me her innocence, her charm, how she just captivated the screen, and her chemistry with Gregory Peck. He was excellent in it, too. Um, yeah. I love the comedic parts of the movie and how she also could be really funny on the Vespa. Again, people don't really think of Audrey Hepburn as funny either. So it's really nice that they both got to show off those those skills, which they're not really known for. But I And I'm glad I got the appreciation that it deserved with her winning an Oscar and winning costume and and I loved the the cinematography I loved that it was filmed in Rome not in a soundstage because that would have made it really fake too I mean as much as I love the Gene Kelly musicals um they're not realistic and if this was filmed in a soundstage it wouldn't have had the same it wouldn't have had an impact at all because it would have looked like 
a silly little musical. So I'm really glad that they didn't do that. It would have looked like Hollywood's version of Rome, but it feels the location itself feels like a character and it feels very authentic. And I like that they didn't milk the whole royal princess thing and make it super extravagant and ridiculous and that we only see the embassy and the family, or not her family, but the the people that are the assistants and in charge of her only a couple times, and we mostly see her as this normal girl. Um, yeah. And I just love the story. It's a really great summer movie, and especially since a lot of us still aren't able to travel, it's a great destination film. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you, Hannah, for coming back on the show. (laughs) Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. And thank you for suggesting this movie. And I'm glad I finally could watch it from the beginning to the end because it's a must-see. Yeah. And I want to thank you all for listening. And don't forget to click the subscribe button. And if you have any movies or limited series that you'd like us to do on here, you can email me at emmareviewsmovies at gmail.com.